morning, everyone. I always love it when I always love it when Mikael sings that song because he's always so it's always so energetic when he sings it. Am I right? Um, yes, it's always awesome. It's always awesome to get your worship on, and he is the prime example of getting your worship on, which is awesome. Um, so for those who don't know me, hi, my name is Owen Lutz. Uh, I am current, I'm from Ottawa. Uh, I've been a disciple for about six years, uh, as of December, Woo! long time. Um, and I'm currently going to Teachers College. Uh, I'm going to Queen's University in Kingston. I'm going to Teachers College, hoping to become a science teacher. Um, but before we get, we, we get started, I really want to shout out to Welcome Hamilton. Welcome Hamilton, we're so happy to have you. Um, Thank you for joining us online. We're very excited to be, be able to do these kind of inter-church services. Um, and also, uh, we want to be welcoming our sister, Sonia, who's coming to us from the church in Cote d'Ivoire. So welcome, please stand on up. Welcome, welcome. We're very, very excited to have you. Welcome. We hope you're feeling, feeling, the, feeling the Ottawa church family love. Um, so, this morning, we are going to be talking about um, the yoke of effective disciples. So, Tony and Melanie are away. I believe they're in Dallas. Someone correct me if that's yes. Okay, so they're away in Dallas right now, um, and we pray that they have they have a safe they have a safe journey, um, and that they can come back and they can they can bring us back into our ser into our sermon series where we're talking about um, the seven habits of effective disciples. And so last week. Tony covered two of those most important habits. The first one being reading our Bibles, the second one being praying. Now these are fundamental to our walk with God, um, and I think we can all agree on that, right? So Tony talked about being devoted to God in prayer, where we are bringing things to him first instead of using him as a last-minute solution to our problems. He talked about uh, how prayer is an opportunity to talk with God, to bring our requests to him. And we need to be setting aside that time where we can be talking with him regularly. He also talked about how, how the Bible is God's word and he speaks to us through it. Right? Jesus himself needed to be rooted in the word of God in order to fight temptations. And we can see that in Matthew 4, where Jesus goes to be tempted in the desert. Um, and t as Tony mentioned, all of Psalm 119 talks about being in the Word of God and reflecting on God's laws. Now, both of these habits bring us closer to God, and there's no doubt about it. But this morning, I want to ask some honest questions um, about our walk with God, and relating to these two habits, and possibly for the other habits that Tony talks about. Um, we might be able to say that this is almost a prequel, shout out to all my Star Wars fans, this is a prequel to Tony's, Tony's series, um, because in some ways the effective habits are a byproduct of what we're going to be talking about today. But before we go, before we go any further, I think it's, it's worthwhile to take a while to take to our Father. Let's go ahead and pray. Go ahead and pray. Go ahead and pray. that we're able to spend time in friendship, in worship, and spend time reflecting on you and your, and your word. Um, I want to thank you so much that we're able to join with other churches through the media, uh, through the media and through technology. Uh, you have provided us with a way to stay so connected as a family, and it is truly amazing uh, that we can do that. God, I really want to pray that uh, this morning that we would be really, we would be really 
on your word that we would focus on how can we instill these habits that help us to connect with you that build with you our relationship with you um, I pray that uh, with all that's going on in the world that we can take take this half hour take this take this to really focus on you God we want to pray for all that's going on in the world there's so much so much happening we pray for the rescue efforts that are going on in Turkey we pray that you would be with those people that you would save lives and that you would instill in us the desire to help um, God, we pray for the war that's going on in the Ukraine. We pray for the safety of, of the people coming here to Canada. We pray for the safety of those who are, who are still there. Uh, and we want to ask that you would please resolve that conflict quickly. But God, most importantly, we are thankful for Jesus, for his sacrifice. And I pray that today we could take some time, that we would reflect on that, and that we would always be reflecting on what he did because the cost was so great. God, we pray all this in his, your son's name. Amen. Amen. All right. So, as I said, today's title, we are talking about the yoke of effective disciples. Uh, and I hope by the end of this discussion that that particular title will make sense. Um, and it will be clear why this stood out to me when I was thinking about uh, this topic. So last week, Tony ended his sermon with a scripture from the book of Matthew. So, if you'll flip to Matthew 11, verse 20 through 30, we are going to be coming back to this multiple times. So, Matthew 11. Verse 28 through 30. And in these verses, Jesus says, that Jesus says, Come to me, all who are all who are weary, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, I'm sure that some of you have heard these verses before. I hope so, because Tony said them last week. Um, but and these particular verses are, are really important for us, especially when we think of sin, right? Because I, as a sinner, am burdened with the weight of what I have done and can come to Jesus for rest and freedom from those burdens, which is a wonderful thing. He can give me a burden that I can carry because the one that I was carrying before was too much, too much to carry. So it's a relief to hear that there's an easier yoke and that I can find rest, right? And while this passage is most often associated with that burden, I think it can also relate to another topic that we, that we can think about, which is grace. Okay, story time. So I'm going to credit all of what I'm ta talking about today to the Kingston Church, to Mr. D'Souza. Hi, Rachel. Shout out to Rachel. Uh, Mr. So Neil D'Souza, I'm going to credit all of this to him because through our discussions in the Kingston Church, um, I've become better acquainted with how the, the character of God, but also how discipleship plays out. So, one day, I'm getting ready to leave house, to leave, right? And Neil slides up to me, as he does, uh, and he says, listen, at midweek, we are going to be talking about uh, things that cause friction in our relationship with God. It's like, okay, that's a bit of a send-off. So I, I, I head out, I leave, I leave, and then uh, as I was thinking about it, though, it really struck a chord within me, the things that cause friction in our relationship with God. And, 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 and I've been feeling, and I've, even as I was a younger disciple, I felt this friction. I love God, and I'm grateful for his son and his sacrifice, but there was this intangible thing, or so I thought it was intangible, but there was this thing that made me feel that I could neglect reading my Bible, that I could spend time not praying. Um, and so with, with that seed that Neil had planted, I headed out thinking, huh, these things, that rings true, but why? Why does that ring true to me? 
So I came back on midweek, back on midweek, and so I walked into the living room, and there was a whiteboard. But yes, Neil has his own whiteboard, and it was pretty awesome. Not going to lie. Um, and he had the following depiction. Alex, could I get the first slide, please? Please. Thank you, sir. So he had the following depiction. We have over here on the left, we have God. All right? And then over here on the right, we have us. And we have some of our effective habits, which would be Bible reading, praying, sharing our faith, and serving, right? These are some of the effective habits. And so, uh, oop, lost, lost my place. Doo, doo, doo. And in between us and God, we have this big, scary, empty space, right? And this gap was soon filled on the whiteboard with all of these things that prevent us from an ideal relationship with God. And this leads me to my first question for the church. If we know that reading our Bibles and praying are crucial for our walk with God, why is it so hard sometimes? Right? Why don't I want to listen to God or talk to him? Why do I dread picking up my Bible? Um, if you haven't felt this way, then amen. This discussion may not apply to you as much as it does to me, but I saw myself when I looked at this diagram, right? This space between me and God, this space right here, was always full of unspoken, intangible things that obscure my view from God, and we didn't talk about them. So today, we're going to talk about them. Alex, could I get the next slide, please? Because what are some of the things that fill this gap? We have things like relatability. Can God really relate to my experiences? Disappointment. I've sometimes been disappointed at the way some things have gone when I've left them in God's hands. Maybe there's a bit of selfishness. I want to do this thing. God tells me not to do this thing, but I'm going to do this thing anyways. I've been there. Maybe there's a little bit of unworthiness. I don't think I've made too many mistakes to have a relationship with God. Maybe it's knowledge. I know too much about God. I know a lot about his word, and I don't need to talk to him right now. That's not true, but sometimes we feel that way, right? Maybe it's, uh, where, where's this one? Maybe it's bad habits or self-indulgence, right? I would rather depend on this thing than I would depend on God. Maybe it's guilt. I should be doing this, but I'm dreading what I might hear, or I'd rather do something else. Maybe it's obligation. I, have, I, I am needed in a particular role, which drains me so I can't spend time with God. Now, this is just a short list of some things that cause friction and cloudiness in our relationship with God. It makes it really hard for us to come to his word and to pray. It makes it challenging to follow those habits of effective disciples because it obscures our view of God. Now, the question has to be asked, but Owen, if all of these things block us from God, how can we have a relationship with him? But fortunately, not all is in vain, right? And there are a few things that prevent this from being our permanent reality. So, first of all, God is with us. And not just, not just with us, yes, amen, but not just with us in one way, he's with us in multiple ways. All throughout the Old Testament, God tells the Israelites that he is with them. In Genesis 26 and 28, he tells Isaac and then Jacob that he will be with him so that God could fulfill his promise to Abraham 
bringing him the generations of descendants that were promised, right? In the Exodus, God came down in the form of a cloud and in, the for, in a pillar of fire to, to dwell with his people. The entire book of Leviticus is about how to construct a home for the presence of God to exist amongst the Israelites, right? Joshua and the judges were made the same promise so that they could effectively lead the Israelites during times of trial. David, the man after God's own heart, wrote and sang extensively about how God is always with him and he is always with God. And you can see the Psalms for lots of examples. Um, In the prophets, God speaks directly to the Israelites, expressing how he will always be with them despite their disobedience and even going into the scattering, into the exile with Babylon. Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, has made his dwelling among us, as John says in John 1.14. He got as close as he could so that he could complete his mission. And in Matthew 28.20b, the second part of that, uh, as Jesus delivers the Great Commission, he says, and surely I am with you to the very end of the age. Right? Jesus promises that he will be close to us when we struggle in our daily lives. And lastly, on the day of Pentecost, the apostles were filled with the Holy Spirit who made his living place within all disciples, including us. In 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19, Paul tells us that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God. Ephesians 1.13, when you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession. Okay, that was a bit of a verse dump. There was a lot there. But all this is saying is that God is as close to us as he can be. He literally cannot get any closer in terms of his relationship with us because he is in each and every one of us, right? So this thing that separates us from God, that middle bit of the diagram, this thing that separates from God is not God separating himself from us, it's us separating ourselves from God. When I feel unworthy, I pull away. When I feel self-sufficient, I pull away. When I... Uh, sorry, uh, when I am disappointed in something that I did or something that God did, I pull away. It is me who is pulling away. God is always near, waiting for us to return to, to him. Like the father with the open arms in the parable of the prodigal son. So summary so far, there are things that separate me from God. That's not because of him, that's because of me. And those things make it difficult to introduce the effective habits that we want because I feel far from God. So now what? Now what? Let's go back to our initial verse in Matthew, in Matthew 11. Jesus tells us that the yoke he, will give, he, he has for us is lighter. And I think that that yoke that he's giving us comes in, comes in a couple of different ways. But more, most importantly, it's giving us the opportunity to strive to improve our relationship with God one problem at a time. Now hear me out. <laughs> uh, a few months ago, Monsieur Mikael came up and spoke about living in grace, right? And at the time, I had no idea what he meant. Not a clue. I did not understand at all. I've always struggled with grace. 
He was talking about simply living in God's presence and accepting his grace as a gift, and I could not wrap my head around it until I started thinking about this separation between me and God. Because the things that come between me and God won't just go away. Some of them will probably be a struggle for the rest of my life. And that's just a fact, right? And while I cannot have the perfect relationship with God, that's okay. Because he doesn't need me to have the perfect relationship with him. Now Paul speaks about this when he writes to the Corinthians. And so in 2 Corinthians 12, 5 through 10, it reads, I will boast about a man like that, but I will not boast about myself except about my weaknesses. Even if I should choose to boast, I will not be a fool because I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain so no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say, or because of those surpassing great revelations. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord that it would be taken away. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all more the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Now, those things that separate me from God might be problems that need solving, but more importantly, they are opportunities for God to show his grace. He has provided grace to cover my mistakes and shortcomings. God has saved me through his grace. Because I am covered by grace does not mean that I, but because I am covered by grace, that doesn't mean I'm idle. I'm not just sitting there accepting that grace, right? My purpose is to try and show God's strength through my weaknesses, and I can do this by choosing one of those things and focus on solving that thing with God. Because when I'm trying to remove that one thing, it no longer blocks me from God because I'm doing something about it. It becomes a joint venture, me and God building up my relationship. And as I work on that thing, I can rest in God's grace, knowing that despite the other 99 things that may be between me and God in between my relationship, he loves me because I'm working on that one thing. The yoke of an effective disciple is lighter because it comes from knowing how to rest in the grace of God. It allows us to focus on that one thing instead of all of the things, which is a blessing. The bar is lower than we expect because God knows that we can't do it without him, right? We think that it's a high bar, but God has lowered it for us so that we can accomplish it with him. As we work on that one thing, the effective habits of a disciple become easier to implement because we are working to build up our relationship with God as we trust and we trust that he will help us to work on that one thing. Now, all that being said, this yoke that Jesus gives us is not a cakewalk. It's not easy. As Paul writes in Romans 5, 3 through 4, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. So this process of working 
on the one thing will be challenging, but through that, God refines our character. So church, I ask you, as we go through the next three years of transformation, as Dave Pachter talked about, finding our place in God's story, as we look at implementing the habits of effective disciples, I wanna challenge you to find the one thing. What is the one thing that is in the middle that makes it really hard to approach God? And how can you work with God to fix that one thing? So if we could go back to Matthew 11 once more, because we're gonna, we're gonna talk about communion now. Because in Matthew 11, it says, once more, I'm gonna read it. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And this point that I'm making would not be possible without the sacrifice of Jesus. Without Jesus going to the cross and dying, we would not even be able to have a relationship with God as we do, where he could give us as much grace as we have been given. Um, and while our yoke is easy, the cost of that yoke was extremely high. The yoke that Jesus took up was extremely heavy. And I really like how this is described by Timothy Brindle in his song called The Humility of Christ. And this is, this is a rap song, okay? I'm not going to rap just before, that would, that would go very badly, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak this. And so he says, the one who made the earth became a curse, and he, was one, and he who was one with the Father's essence. But on the cross, the God of heavens cut off his presence. So I can't share any language that can rightly describe the Christ's despair and his anguish. So forever I will tell, in three hours, Christ suffered more than any sinner ever will in hell. He who had infinite joy and pleasure became a man of sorrows so that we could join forever. That was the price. So as we take the communion, let us reflect upon the price that was paid in order for us to have access to a relationship with God. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the sacrifice that you made. Thank you for Jesus who took on that high cost um, to be paid that we could never pay ourselves. We thank you that his blood covers us, that his blood protects us, and that through that sacrifice we could have a relationship with you, that you could give us grace and that you could give us a burden that we could carry. We thank you so much for Jesus for that sacrifice, and we want to pray all this in your son's name. Amen.